You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine, Season 2, everybody. Justin Zeppa here, joined as ever by Shrishma Naik, Catherine Sherlock, and my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, gang, welcome back to the program. We did it. Woo-hoo. We're here. Yay. Yes, lovely to have you. Uh, we, we're just back from our hiatus. We're all refreshed, uh, recovering from... You know, different adventures and projects through the summer. I mean, the, like the heat, you guys, right? My God, the heat, uh, never ending. Yes. But we, I was are here. exposed to do different levels of heat this summer. Um, Two different levels. Yes. What is level one? One was level of hell in Texas. Texas. Um, All right. And then one it's was a little less level of not as hot in London. So I'm not as hot as Texas. Okay, interesting. Yes, because Lo- um, Texas was in the 40s, mm-hmm. um, and London was in the 30s. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of those are absurdly warm. Uh, we don't, you right. Don't be able For to someone that. living in Iceland, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed. And you guys, we will notice that we're not doing the intro. We've got 15 episodes with the intro. If you need to know what the show's about at this point, go listen to one of the old ones. Mm-hmm. It explains everything. Uh, we're trying some different things out this season just to make for a better show. So right now, what we're going to do is wh- item number one is the prolonged walkthrough of the film is kind of off the table right now. So we're going to start talking about today's movie in summary form. But before I do that, Let's uh, address the elephant in the room, uh, why I have inflated all of these orange and black party balloons that are surrounding me right now. Uh, it's because it is Hitchcocktober. Yay! All right. This is what we live for. This is the, what the highlight of our season, and it's also the debut of our season. We're learning from our past mistakes. We're not going to talk so much about Alfred Hitchcock, because as we know, he is a, a very awful person, according to the people who have worked with him. Hansy man. That's right. He certainly is. Alfred Hanscock. That's what we sometimes <laughs> call him. <No. laughs> All right. But it is, you know, it's the spooky season, you guys. And I, I feel like I brought it up in the past, but I'd like to remind you all, I love fall. You guys, I love fall. And that's where we are. We're planted firmly in fall right now, and we're gonna just. You're a fool for fall. I am. I really am. I'm a. I'm a fall fool. Yeah. You know what else I love? Fall. Write it down. Uh, How many pumpkin spice lattes have you had? Uh, I've had. Well, there are no Starbucks notoriously in Iceland, so none. Mm. No more pumpkin spice lattes for me. But in my heart, uh, many. I'm <laughs> one. Yes, exactly. And so we're going to bring you some murder and mayhem and some mental illness this month, uh, starting with today's motion picture, Dial M for Murder. That's a murder house. Let's kick things off with one-line reviews, starting as ever with Shrishma Naik. Yes, we can. I can go first. Um, my one-line review is... Uh, despite the um, gaslighting efforts uh, going on in this movie, um, I did enjoy this entertaining murder mystery, which was oh. not so much a mystery, but still entertaining. Now they do that thing that you like so much, so much, <laughs> where they explain exactly what's happening and ruin the surprise for. for the, but this time, it's okay for you. Uh, I guess because this time um, I understood the. Because we've done this before, right? So I understood what he was trying to do. Um, so I guess I kind of went along with it. It was still okay. quite, you know, um, enjoyable, I would say. Okay. Love to hear it. What about mm, my sister and yours, Carolyn Narrows? Dr. Sister, do you have a one-line review for Dial M for Murder? Yes. My one-line review is that this is a very polite film about adultery <laughs> and attempted murder. <laughs> Yeah, it's very buttoned down, isn't it? Very <laughs> 1950s, very mm, perhaps uh, English. I don't know. Maybe we'll get some input from 
we call her the hammer. Catherine Sherlock, do you have a one-line review for Dialing for Murder? Yeah. Do you? I do not. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes my one-line review anyway. It's always crammed in at the end. We're, we're fixing the format. So get that out of there. I'll do the summary. You guys are the, <laughs> you, the funny You one. don't have to do a review. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very busy. All right. So here we go. Cold, complex, calculated. We'll have no displays of emotion here. Stiff upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, okay, in complete agreement with Dr. Sister's uh, analysis as well, this is, yeah, they're, they're wound pretty tight in 1954, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, now, I think how it, was, does, the, it was really the last scene that kind of sealed that one, where it all unravels in front of everybody, and he and just have a drink. quite jolly goes and has a drink. Yeah. And yeah. then, how about you, Margot? Would you like a drink? She's like, yeah, I would quite like a drink. Oh, my God. That and, and just in general, every sort of moment of like, it, she's got her lover over and the three of them yeah. are just hanging Can out, we? looking at press <laughs> clippings of old tennis matches. <laughs> well, okay. Now, when they're looking at the clippings, he doesn't, he's not supposed to know that they're lovers, right? Like that, that's not revealed officially until later, I believe. Yeah, they're just I friends, guess right? technically he doesn't know, but, but regardless, he knows and she knows and they're just sitting there like snuggling on the couch and like, look at this and Maharaja from blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, God, <laughs> I should like to know what making out means. The time is 1954. The space is London, England. Margot Wendis is a wealthy heiress married to Tony, a recently retired tennis pro. However, she has been keeping a flame burning for Mark Halliday, a mystery writer from the U.S. she had met and had some kind of affair with a year prior. Mark is returning to town and anxious to see her, as is she, though she recognizes that her husband Tony has been behaving differently the past year. Little do they know that Tony is well aware of their affair and has cooked up quite a scheme to get back at them and collect his wife's fortune. Investing quite a lot of time stalking and blackmailing his way into the life of Charles Swan, a former classmate turned con man, Tony corners him into murdering his wife with a clever plan, a hidden key, and some relatively untraceable cash. So, maybe we we divide this up to the plotting and seeming, the murder, and then the finding out, like solving the murder. How about that? Like three different Mm -hmm. phases. So, women of old movie time machine, let's talk about our protagonist, Margot, played by Grace Kelly here, Stone Cold Hottie, by the way, uh, looking amazing. Princess Grace, right? She does. I had no idea that Grace Kelly only did 11 films in her career before. You didn't know that? Well, I mean, I, I knew that she got married and became royalty, uh, but I didn't realize that her film career was so short. She was v- quite young when she, I mean, she was in her mid to late 20s i don't know the exact age when she actually married uh prince of monaco Mm -hmm. but i mean in large part like i think some of her films wouldn't even her later films wouldn't be shown there towards the wedding if i'm not mistaken because it's like well that's now going to be our new princess like hrh um so they didn't and i can't remember what film it was but i feel like there was one that wasn't released until much later after the wedding Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, as soon as she like got engaged, it was like mm, I'm taking everything off my schedule and never working again. Yeah, I mean, why would you? That would be nice. Yeah, your royalty. That's what, guys. That's what I we mean. need to do. We need to find some royals, some, some loose royals. It's, it seems so. It doesn't seem to go well for Americans. Um, I mean, I, I think. Well, she dies know, tragically in a car. Car. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Car, car yeah, okay. accident. Okay. Um, and obviously, this Meghan Markle has many opinions about her. How do we feel about Margot's behavior to kick off this film? She's in this marriage. She's not happy with, but she's had this. You know, do we think that they slept together a year ago or did they just. You know, fall for each other and then talk about it. Yeah, it needs spaghetti, Which, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. There's more, more meatballs going on there. Okay, oh, yeah. Can I? Can I also ask? So this is something I didn't learn until I like moved to Richmond and married my husband. But there, I guess, was the term spaghetti dinners. Does that mean anything to you guys? Yeah. Spaghetti dinners? Yes. I mean, 
Mm, no. is, that, is that a sexual innuendo? <laughs> yes, it is. Which what? I guess, uh, y- yeah, but it's, and I don't know if it's a colloquial. Like a Vir- like a- <laughs> I don't know if it's a colloquial Virginia term or whatever. But he's like, oh yeah, uh, a spaghetti dinner. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> What's a spaghetti? It, you- it's swingers. People oh. who are swingers would invite you over for a spaghetti dinner. Oh, okay. You know what? We have something similar to that over here. Uh, but it's pineapples. Like if you're a, oh. do you guys, no. Icelanders, do you not know no. about this? No. Oh, if you go to, okay. So the word is, if you go to. Which in the South, store, a pineapple is just a sign of hospitality, by the way, in America. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, again, let's, let's be careful out there, people. We're, <laughs> we're, let's, let's try to avoid international incidents wherever possible. Just, just be sensitive to the fact that things have different meanings. Pineapples have there, different right? meanings. Yeah. No, if you go to the grocery store and on Selchinanes Peninsula, uh, the hot coip over there, and you put a pineapple in your shopping cart and kind of wander around, that's like a signal to other swingers, people in the lifestyle. Yes. So, and okay. that this, this is the rumor. I don't know. It was, there's like news articles about this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think one of you should go test it I'm out. I'm going to investigate. <laughs> yeah, do some Googles on it. Oh, are you going to try yeah. it out? I mean, we should yeah. just go along with like pineapples. And Will you pick me see? up? I'll, I'll yeah. go with you. Well, let's just want- you, guys, you guys should really do a field trip and like go shopping together <laughs> just to put some we'll do. We'll do some real on time, okay? Investigate. <laughs> yeah. I might ask an actual uh, Icelander as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably advisable, but I, I think... Let's uh, let's start this year's promises list by checking, circling back around on this. Okay, Maybe promises next episode you don't and, intend and, to keep. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that should it. be a drop, right? Let's make I'm that. Just a drop. me the pineapple. We are not having the pineapple. Okay. I I would like the drop to actually be Cogsworth, though. Oh yeah, no, that, I will pull that. Uh, yes, that pull that especially. sound clip. It needs to be Cogsworth. Well, there's the usual things: flowers, chocolates. Promises you don't intend to keep saying. Yes. Because we're talking old David Time Machine, we're going to drop old David Time Machine's music in there as well. So, right. old David Time Machine. Guys, the drops are flying fast and furious. It's a whole new season, you know. Long eyeball. More focus, more business, less intro, more drops. Get with us. Get with us. There's a lot more drops this season. Promises list. You run up this road about two miles, season you'll come two. right center town. Pineapple. Joan is my maid. So that would be so confusing if that were this like sign in this area. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about it. Like, there's also like that scene in Cabaret, the musical, where they sing about the pineapple. Like, a gentleman caller brings brings his lady a pineapple and they sing this whole song about it. And it's like a pineapple for me. Do, 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 do. Because he's a purveyor of fancy fruits. Maybe that's how people in 1930s Germany. Their parties, their swinger parties. I don't, you know, I don't know. But in the South, it's like you'll see, like people will have the pineapple on their flag, or they'll have like the stone pineapple at their like driveway. It's a sign of hospitality in the American South. Okay, mm. and also, please come. Uh, I guess. When, so that yeah, would be I mean, shocking. <laughs> hospitality. Right. Well, that's a great point, Cheryl. I mean, you're that's, welcome uh, to stay in my house and have my wife. Now, <laughs> this is this is what I've heard about this famous Virginian hospitality, Carolyn. I've been to Mount Vernon. They talk about it there. You know, if you travel a long distance back in the day, you are welcome to a bed at the, at somebody's house if you show up on their. There might doorstep. be someone else in that bed, but hey, maybe, you know, we maybe keep it's, it in the family. Maybe it's my bed. Yeah, exactly. Right. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're uncovering some hidden history there. Maybe that's we might we might need to further explore. I think we're going to do some field research on it for sure. Check it out. I should like to know what making out means. But let's get back to the spaghetti dinner in this one. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So yeah, I think they were having more than spaghetti. So they Mm. were doing it. Okay, great. Uh, Good. good I bet those meatballs weren't the only balls involved. Um, I mean, it was there. You had to take it. I guess somebody had to take yeah. it. Catherine kind of low, low, low hanging fruit, low hanging fruit, well low hanging meatballs. Catherine, you are on fire today. <laughs> I'm not even mentioning the pineapple of shame that I had no, at one point. Pineapple shame? <laughs> oh, there's no shame. It's just embrace it, Catherine. If that's who you are, if you're a pineapple person, embrace it. You be you. It's the 21st century. 
Uh, no shame. Just didn't realize there were connotations. Oh, okay, okay. That kind of shame. I see. I see. Well, if someone invites you over for either pineapple or spaghetti, you will think twice and be like, "Wait, what? Wait, what is this?" <laughs> <laughs> we're just educating like, the masses. <laughs> with that kind of offer, it sounds like even if you don't know the connotations, like you're you're still winning if you say yes to that invitation. You know, like if if it turns out to just to be a big plate of spaghetti and some pineapple, great. lovely. Uh, you know, great. great. If it great. turns out to be. <laughs> Some kind of hot wifing incident, like also great. <laughs> Love it. Love to be a part of it. Okay, so let's stay focused here, guys. Come on. Sorry. Season two, all right. You and your rabbit face wife can both go to hell. Affair, yes. Affairs are happening. Sorry, I'm getting Does this impact how we I mean, I, I I didn't mind at all for some reason. Like it didn't impact my impression of her as the hero and uh, that we're supposed to uh to root for right like i'm actually more curious why she married the tennis pro in the first place because he just seems like a complete yeah asshole in general he's a very very cold fish and yeah i mean clearly he just wanted to go around the world and like um but he dragging his wife around and whatever i also get the sense that she was like into that at some point where she was because then he's like well he she dropped me when she didn't want me to play tennis, but she liked me because I played tennis. Sort of the motives there for that marriage itself, I was sort of confused. Because he, he was a star, maybe. So there was like mm-hmm. there was that aspect. But he also he that. he needed her for his money for the money that she had. Yeah, that was interesting. Because yeah. there was a financial aspect to it, which is mm-hmm. why he wanted to murder her and not just divorce well, her. Well, you know, if right. you're a pro tennis player and i'm guessing at that point they weren't having large sports sponsorships so mm. he played at wimbledon mm. though yeah but no that's nice all, okay. some kind of... i don't think they had big um big cash prizes back in those days i mean now oh, yeah i mean these people are like considered professionals but i think back yeah. in the day it was more well, i mean still be a star but you know it's about it's about the gentleman athlete yeah sure so for sure. no purse but definitely like he got trophies like that house was that apartment was littered with tennis but trophies. he typically so maybe that would have also probably like you said a cash prize with that trophy which could have been like you know ten thousand pounds or something i don't know but mm-hmm. this tennis golf and obviously equestrian sports they fall in that country club set where you have to be moneyed to have access to a horse, a court, or horses. That's true. If he's at a, if he's playing at a professional level, then he's right. come from some kind of infrastructure that supports that. And it's not like today where there are infinite, uh, you know, academies to send your twelve-year-old off to to do their sports, right, and and learn from people. Right. I can't imagine Tony at Wimbledon Fantasy Camp, um, hanging out with no. Him insert famous old tennis player here. So, you know, we're fine with Margot. Tony's uh, rather cold and yeah. sociopathic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, d- d- that opening scene where it literally just opens on their breakfast kiss. Mm-hmm. I was just immediately like, oh. Zero chemistry. Horrible. Negative chemistry. It was just like, it, it was, I didn't know. It was just like, so kissing the back of your hand. Kind I of. mean, and, then the entire scene where he has Swan over and is going through like just deadpan, completely like going over his plan to murder his wife. And it's just like, and then you'll do this and then this and you know, he's wiping things down while he's doing it. I'm like, wow, you are. Yeah. A sociopath. Mm. Yes. Yeah. On that note though, the wiping things down uh, so that particular part of that scene reminds me a lot of wait until dark, uh, which some mm-hmm. of you may have seen. Uh, with okay, Shrisma says no. Catherine, you ever seen Wait Until Dark? Oh, okay, okay. It's in the drive. You should, you should check watch it out. It. It's you, so good. It's can we do? Can we do that as like part of Hitchcocktober? I know it's not a Hitchcock, but like, can we do that as an October film? Well, I do feel like we are going to be talking Audrey this season. I feel like okay. people people love Audrey as much as we do, so we're going to see more of her. There's some plans in the works, so. Stay tuned. But yeah, so wait until dark. We have a very similar scene. Now, that movie came out in 1967, I want to say. So it's mm-hmm. possibly inspired by his film, which was uh, pretty famous when it came out. Which And the film was based off of a stage play, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, you can tell, mm. much One like with, yeah. 
much like with rope one set yes you know i mean they Mm -hmm. uh, you could put rope in this film like just side by side in its own set of hitchhockiness as you're like it's a stage play right and uh, and i would also put wait until dark in the same category now i think Mm -hmm. the difference between wait until dark and rope is the fact that those apartments are massive you know like that because they're building the movie on just the one space they make the space pretty huge and pretty uh flexible and dynamic for different storytelling needs yes and in this case i mean this place is tiny that they're living in yeah it is quite claustrophobic when you realize it's literally just like that living room a bedroom with a bathroom off it Mm -hmm. and then the little kitchen in the corner i actually my original word for my one interview wasn't polite but cozy because Mm. of how like i was like I like this, like the big, beautiful windows in the back with the, mm-hmm. you know, the you know, shutters inside and sort of like a fireplace and the layout. I'm like, I live there. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's high ceilings, lovely fireplace, mm-hmm. you know, it's got but a cozy, things, but yeah, cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a nice bar. space. Oh my God. That bar is huge. Oh, I have pictures of it too. I didn't bring them up, but it doesn't matter. We don't need pictures right now. Uh, yeah. Um, I was just like that. I like this house. I was all about that living room set up. It was great. Well, in the living room, I mean, that is one of the the boxes that yeah. we do check uh, on our program. So, I mean, it, it is great to talk about it. One of the other things that we talk about, guys, is the hat index. And I did want to real quick give you a, a report on mm-hmm. the hat index for mm-hmm. Dial M for Murder. Where are we at with society uh, wearing hats? Uh, are we? Uh, is it is it on the upswing? Is it at a peak? Is it on the downswing? I think we're peak hat, you guys, because I just took. Um, yeah, like a hat. quick and dirty count here of uh, our guy Mark Halliday uh, disembarking off the the Queen Mary, right the the ship that brings him over from the states, mm-hmm. and we see sixteen passengers leaving the ship. Fourteen of them have a hat. That makes eighty seven point five percent on the hat index. So. Some great math work, Justin. Thank you so much. I mean, dude, I did cross some numbers. You know that it's not my strong suit. Uh, I did, I did fit my exam <laughs> in my masters. Uh, I had to retake it. Uh, other quick Sorry. and dirty math. What? <laughs> I'm not proud of it. Way. I got through. I passed. I'm not it, a math. Right? I'm not a math whiz. I mean, I got a B in statistics. That's better than a, a zero. Um. How about well, this math? Was did, did we anybody crunch the numbers on the the cash that was exchi- changing hands here? No, I did not. I got it for you. Don't don't even bother looking. Up. Okay, so Great. we have uh, Charles Swan, right? The the guy who gets bullied into murdering Margot. He gets offered a thousand pounds, which in today dollars would be thirty five thousand pounds. So. Hey. Pretty good contract there, I would say, mm. for More half hours of work, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty good. I think that is probably accurate. I would say, look, I don't have any information to support that, but tens of thousands for a contract killing. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, party line at oldmovietimemachine dot com. How much would you charge to kill somebody? I'm not sure I want to know that, honestly. What do you got against people doing a little shooting now and then? Let off a little steam. Uh, it would have to be I don't at want, least I don't a million and a half. Wait, Trishman, say that again. Sorry. I said at least a million and a half. A million and a half pounds? Dollars. For you to yeah. do. Dollars. Okay. okay, for you to do it. Yeah. No amount of money. And that's still on the lower side. Okay. But that would be, that would cover the cost of your, your guilt and all of that? Yeah, I think okay. therapy for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably that's good. Now, she is worth Margot's fortune, by the way, of 90,000 pounds. That shakes out to about three and a half million pounds. All right. So she's. Ooh. Wait, and they never go oh. into okay. yeah, what um, she's an heiress of? Or... They don't do any background. No, that, well, I have that question of like, I don't think she, she doesn't work, right? I think she just comes from money. I think it's just a family thing. Mm-hmm. Right? I think he does talk about that when he's explaining it to Swan at the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. But she. Well, they this probably is a, okay, think that because in, he was a tennis star, you know. She's she's gallivanting and, and around uh, tennis tourneys, right? She's uh, making the right, scene, exactly. society scene. Yeah. Right. So. But this does lead me to my next question, which involves the scrapbook, the potential 
proposed scrapbook of Tony's clippings that they have gathered of his tennis career. And it does play into the plot later because, you know, organizing a scrapbook will require the use of scissors. Hint, hint. We'll talk about it in a minute. All of this is predicated on, darling, why don't you stay home and make this scrapbook about my career? And she's just like, oh, I've just been so busy. I definitely want to do it. I'm so busy. I can't get around to it. What is she busy doing? This is my question because, again, I don't think she works. She's coming for money. She's partying with the tennis, the pro tennis circuit of the 1950s in Europe. She has to party. If I didn't work, I think of time. If I didn't work and I had living money, in high society, I'd be busy. Einstein. Yeah. I'd be very busy. I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'm traveling because I've got this and my horses. <laughs> I see. That's true. I see. So, these horses. Okay. I mean, it's just like if she's playing tennis, maybe that's a, a different thing. But I mean, it's like she's just partying. She's just, uh, she's just hanging out. She'll find the time one day she proposes. When you but. look like that in that red dress from the first scene, yeah, I really I don't think you have Amazing. to do shit. No. Amazing. Nah, she can do whatever she wants. I also would like yeah, to compliment her hair. I think the hair looks great. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of, uh, it's like high volume, right? But still pretty, like, I think you can get away with that today, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm always like completely jealous of the the blonde and yet it, it, like this high sheen to it. I've never managed to achieve that. Well, it, how that's naturally on like dark hair, you get this beautiful sheen, but that whole kind of blonde, high, shiny look. I don't know how you do it. Your hair's always giving me Gray Kelly vibes. Did she ever play Helen of Troy? Because she has a face that could launch a thousand ships. Mm. <laughs> she has a very nicely shaped mouth. It's very good. Like everything else is great too. But everything yeah, yeah. very nicely yeah, shaped. Yeah, 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 yeah. In particular, the mouth stood out to me. But She has a perfect nose. Did it, Justin? <laughs> it, it did. <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, did it. <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any more thoughts about the explaining how we're going to murder my wife scene with Swan, uh, who I guess, you know, he gets roped in with this. I just, yeah. Okay, sorry. What do you think, Shreeman? Tell me about it. No, I just thought it was a really tense reaction to your wife cheating. Like, yes. I feel like he might have missed, missed some steps before. Yeah, and I don't understand why her. he couldn't have just divorced her and cited. Um, Irreconcilable difference. No, cheating. Uh, what am I? Oh, infidelity. Yeah, infidelity. Sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. Out of my head. Yeah, I don't know why he couldn't just divorce her, cite infidelity. Uh, the court would like totally throw her to the walls because a woman, right, doing a thing like that. Well, that we just that just yeah. doesn't happen in this country. Um, and he would have been entitled to probably half or more of her fortune anyway. Yeah. Like why? Especially right. it, it was very interesting. Like why murder? murder? I mean, he would probably have yeah. got all of it. Like why? I don't know. Why murder? So in <laughs> this is this is an extreme reaction. Yes. Oh, definitely because it is. Well, a couple of things about this. Number one, Tony loves blackmail. He's obsessed with blackmail. He wants to blackmail everybody. It's like how he makes friends almost. Like because he's chatting with all of his victims, but he loves to follow. Uh, stalk, if you will. He loves to watch. He's a real watcher. Oh yeah, he's a creeper. He's a fucking creeper. Mm-hmm. He lurks in the shadows. He's a peeper and a creeper, and he likes fucking with people. It's still, it's still mind games with him too. Yep. I bet he was peeper and a creeper with Margot before they got married. Yeah. Oh. oh, interesting. Let's also remember. Let's keep in mind since we're it's season two, we've we've had hiatus just for our listening audience. Maybe we've got some new listeners out there. Welcome, by the way. We love to have you. Uh, but let's just remember that a lot of the people making decisions in these uh, these stories, they're drunk. You know, like we see it, we see it throughout this movie too. People are drinking those tall boys of uh, of Scotchy Scotch, and <laughs> a t- I mean, like maybe that's how Grace Kelly ends up with uh, Tony. <laughs> you know, like it's just, I, you know, my inhibitions have been lowered constantly because we're all drinking all the time. It's just a thing to keep in mind. The peak of Tony's creepiness is when he's talking Swan about how he was following him and his whole like like stalking months of like trying to figure out a way to blackmail him because he loves to blackmail. That's what gets him off. He, he's really into it. Uh, but he he says th- the words, 
it felt like you almost belonged to me, which mm-hmm. I mean, that peak creep, right? Yeah. And that's, I think that's around the time where Swan's like, well, this is bizarre. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. I have to get out of here. Thanks for the drink. Mm-hmm. Bye. Hey, everybody, we're just breaking in here as we do to tell you all about our incredible products on the Old Movie Time Machine Tea Public uh, storefront. So I'm here with the whole gang. Guys, let's just take a browse to these products. Do you have any designs that, that are catching your eye that you would like to see, you know, where what you can do with them? Anybody? Can, can you boardroom handies? Yeah. Boardroom? Can I get an explanation for that? Thanks. Well, Catherine, I'm glad that- you brought... You should listen to our episode of uh, Woman's World. Yeah. It is fully explained there. It's a, uh, and actually, I think we have a clip on our YouTube page, Old Movie Time Machine, called Boardroom Handies, that you can listen to the short version. It's like I don't know, four <laughs> or five minutes where we talk about where Boardroom Handies comes from. So if you'd like to check out YouTube to get some context. You're definitely going to want to see this design though on what would you like oh, i, I kind of like the mug you know what i'm talking about that looks good mm. it's a good looking mug right mm. boardroom handies uh <laughs> what does it says B- business is booming apparently <laughs> yes yeah business old movie dope. time machine where business is booming that's right yeah so boardroom handies the mug uh you it's available for you now now, this one is only was fifteen dollars free U.S. shipping for or- orders over eighty dollars. Can you believe it, you guys? Christmas presents—that's some good stuff. And if you don't need a mug, why not get a throw pillow? I'm always talking about these pillows. I've never ordered one for your boardroom. Yeah, for your board. Shrisma, just to set expectations. I'm still not clear on what those expectations are. Yeah, yeah. Catherine, you're going to find out. I, I'll, I'll send you <laughs> a link to the video. To. No. <laughs> Hey, it's what, Catherine, it's what makes the business world go round. I bet it does. Yes, indeed. (laughs) So, guys, check out. The link is in the show notes, of course. If you don't know what the show notes are, it's the uh, part of this podcast that you see on your phone. All the words describing the show. You will also find a link to our Tea Public store, and we would love for you to help us out. We are, of course, an independent podcast, and uh, it's rough out there. We get hungry, right? So help feed us. Help feed our, our podcast. Get yourselves a boardroom handies mug or throw pillow or banner or pin. I mean, the options are fairly limitless. Uh, check it out. Thank you so much as ever. And if you do get one of these things, uh, we're going to thank you just like we will right now. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now back to the show. Now, a big po- moving on to the murder, you guys. The the murder that almost was, anyway. While his plan seems airtight in theory, shit quickly flies off the rails, starting with Margot's very normal decision to see a movie. It's mostly downhill from there. Using a guy's night out with Mark as his act, when he calls home to wake Margot up and place her directly within strangling distance. Swan gets close to finishing the job, but is caught off guard as Margot desperately plunges some scissors into him, killing him almost immediately. Tony is forced into some on-the-spot foiled murder plot pivoting, but does a reasonable job of covering his tracks and supporting his wife. Uh, I mean, this is a great illustration by the filmmakers, you know, Hitchcock and the writers and the performers, everybody, everybody involved of how quickly plans can go awry and how random people can be for all the plotting and scheming that Tony does to get this murder happening to fulfill his little uh, fantasy. I mean, stuff, stuff goes haywire, like immediately, like she wants to go to a movie and he has, he's got to go through this whole song and dance about like, Oh, you know, well, movies cause cancer. I just saw an article about it the other day in the paper. Like he's doing everything in his power. Totally suspicious, by the way. And she, she does like, she's like, what is your problem? Like, what? can I go see a move? Can I go do something? Can I leave our living room? Another part of this, Trishma, you had some thoughts about the latchkey, correctly, correct? Yes. I feel like um, all of this could have been avoided if people just use yes. keychains. But like, who carries, who carries around a single key? Apparently, according to the movie, everybody. Quite, and they're all identical. Yeah, and they all exactly the same. And boy, there's no way to ever have a duplicate key made. So it must be either you or you key. who did murder. <laughs> yes, the latch key. 
Um, so I thought that was quite odd, but also um, get a keychain, guys. For real, because there have to be other keys in your life, right? Like I live a relatively lock-free existence, but even I have got a key for the apartment. I got a key for my mailbox. Uh, I got a key for, uh, you know, just other things, right? Like I got a key for a storage unit. You know, like we got keys, like put them all in one place. That's why we invented the key ring. So I'm just wondering. Yes, agreed. Maybe it hadn't been invented at that point. A key ring? <laughs> centralized list for, for all keys i mean it's possible it is entirely possible and also they do make a real scene about the fact that they never lock that street door which is insane to me like don't lock your doors guys small town london i guess like just make yourself at home come on in uh this is oh by the way i, I know our our normal thing that we do is uh, we're studying american life this is obviously set in the uk so it's a weird way to start the season but it's hitchcocktober you never know what to expect uh, did this give you any kind of homesick vibes? Uh, <laughs> the set in the in the U.S. of of London? No, I mean, as I say, I mean, I, I think I, I I was mildly taken aback that it in fact was set in London. I I didn't pick that up until they started talking about pounds. Mm. I guess because I I used to sort of seeing people in American, yeah, and and, and it's, you it know, and there's like, that weird American English. Hollywood made up transatlantic yes. accent. Yeah, so yeah. I was I wasn't really entirely sure what I was listening to straight off the bat there, and it yeah, it really yeah, I, it, it was a slow dawning. I'm like, oh, it's actually set in the homeland. Yeah, I had to look it up because Ray Moland, who plays Tony, uh, he struck me as he's sort of like an English Jimmy Stewart sort of, and but I wasn't sure if he was actually British. So I, he was he was born in Wales, so. He's part of the part of the kingdom, but uh, definitely Stuart vibes, right? Mm -hmm. Like Hitchcock certainly has a type for his women and for his men, apparently, like because like this is a real. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently, according to the rumor mill that is IMDb, uh, Cary Grant was supposed to be playing this role, but either he rejected mm -hmm. it or the studio rejected it because it's Cary Grant and he's just too darn charming. Um, but this is the problem with IMDb trivia is we got both answers in there. So I don't know, pick one, I guess. Maybe we'll never know. Yeah. I feel like Carrie, because I mean, this guy does not have charm or humor, really. The the character, mm. yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like Milan he is he's trying to give it some. Mm. He's not warm and engaging, but he certainly has presence. Like he's jolly about his sociopathy. I think. Yeah, I mean, he knows he knows when to offer drink. Yeah, exactly. He's a great host. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> such a cold-blooded Playing killer. a role. Yes, yes. Which is that's what they do, right? Exactly. Oh. I could see Cary Grant playing the uh, crime writer. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, see, I find. Ooh, that's interesting. I'm trying to think of because my takeaway is that Mark is sort of like the beta here. Now he is like cucking the alpha, the, the sociopathic alpha, but also, I don't know, he just, he doesn't strike me like Cary Grant in that role. I think he's too big for that role. I could see Jimmy Stewart, maybe, like in the, his rope capacity Ooh. where he's sort of like, uh, he comes in and he, you know, he's a character who who sees a little bit more maybe and, uh, but is still kind of like charming. I don't know. I don't know, you guys. It's, uh, hey, listener, let us know who you would like to play Mark Halliday in your version of <laughs> Dial M for Murder. Party line at oldmoviecommissioning.com. Do you think that this film could be effectively remade with a modern cast? Oh, I'd love to see it, but it would have to be with like email and smartphones and all that. Like you could do it though. Right. I'm sure. Text M for murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag TikTok M for murder. M for murder. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> but you guys know there's this um, really good show on Apple TV called The After Party, uh, which is like yes, I've yeah, I've seen that. It's a great, great. show. I love that show. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I hope they do another season of it. They I came out with it. season two. They did. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. So there's uh, two seasons out now. Wow. Yeah, uh, Sherlock, Carolyn, have you seen After Party? 
Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. It's a good one. It's a, it's a, it's a murder mystery show. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That follows characters at this party and everything. Oh, okay. Season two. I'm making a note of it. Looks like my week is set. Nice. Very busy. Lots to do. For all the scheming that Tony does, you guys, he forgets to wind his fucking watch. I mean, that is so infuriating and yet also so appropriate for like, this is what the the storytellers are trying to illustrate is like how, how this stuff falls apart. Uh, but it, that is the perfect, most simple thing. But dude, this is like in, in our modern remake of this movie, this is like not charging your iPhone, like plug it in before you go out to set up your alibi. Right. It just makes me mad, you know, if you're going to do it and he, he does so much work. Maybe that was the problem. Actually, is he was doing too much stalking, too much blackmailing. It was distracting from the rest of his plan. But I mean, this guy's got schemes and excuses for days. It's really impressive. Like he's a good liar, especially by the time we get through the failed murder, uh, which I mean, there's not, what do you discuss about it? Like that, that, that scrapbook shows up because she needs scissors to, for the clippings. And those scissors are readily at hand when she needs them. Uh, I feel like he needed to be more quick about it or something like there had to have been a better way than than the way that they went but uh there's enough time for her to stick him with some big old scissors some maggie prescott sized scissors mm-hmm. and I, I i feel like he died very quickly it was from just like one like slight tip of those i mean they they were big scissors but like i don't feel like they kind of went all the way in they were sort of hanging out a lot. Yeah, he died very, very quickly. Okay, so my forensic analysis of this is that she plunges the blade of the scissors through his back, probably mm. slides right between some ribs, maybe punctures his heart and his uh, lungs if they're in the same area. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor, by the way. Uh, and, but whatever it is, th- she is puncturing something that is critical, <laughs> something very vital because, yeah, he sort of like, he does this sort of like shocked man's face and then just immediately falls over uh, in borderline comedic fashion. And then when he falls over, that further pushes the scissors into his body. Correct? Yes. Right. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So, yeah, I think she just got she got a good spot. It was it was a lucky shot. One in a million, Doc. But but she got it. And boy, this this messes up Tony's plans. But he handles it pretty well, right? Like. He is uh, in true cold, I feel nothing fashion. Like he's all about handling the business and he sends her off to bed. You know, she's like hysterical. And she's like, yes, darling. And we'll deal with this. Tomorrow. We'll deal with the murder in the body tomorrow. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. Um, again, you know, a, a sign of the times, I guess, like, well, of course your wife, hey, I'm, I'm the police here. Uh, of course, your wife is very upset and needs to just catch some Z's. Yeah, and you're definitely going to easily fall asleep right after somebody has tried to in your own home. Yeah. Not a problem. (laughs) Have a glass of warm milk and just tuck right in. We'll deal with it tomorrow. (sighs) Milk. Hot milk. But back in those times, you know, again, like offering drinks to everybody, no matter uh, from whence they came. uh, This is just polite society, right? This is how we do it. It's, again, stiff, stiff upper lip. Button down. Well, of course. Let her handle her hysteria and we will deal with this on the morrow, you guys. But speaking of, Chief Inspector Sabrina's dad enters the fray and starts asking a lot of sensible questions about motives and mash letters, resulting in Margot being found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. Right before the execution, Mark visits Tony to convince him to take the blame for the attempted killing, letting his wife off the hook. But Tony is having none of it. Only some clever trench coat switching by C.I. Sabrina's dad is able to unravel the entire scheme as Tony reveals his involvement by using the hidden latch key he should not have known about, thus implicating himself and clearing Margot's name. Dial M for murder. Uh, Chief Inspector Sabrina's dad. Now, I, I make this reference. His name is Hubbard in the film, but he does play Sabrina's dad in the movie Sabrina. Mm-hmm. which might be coming soon on this very network. We talk about Sabrina an awful lot. Uh, same year, actually. This was a big year for him. Sabrina is also 54. So this is really, uh, his name is John Williams, not the composer. Uh, so, But John Williams, uh, the second most famous one, great year for him. This is him at his peak, I would argue. 
and uh, he also plays this played this role on Broadway, I believe. So, and won a Tony, I think, or was nominated for a Tony. Again, this is all just loose trivia. Very little research. If you're new to the program, we're almost like staunchly anti-research. So that's just that's just a part of what we do here. <laughs> but how do we feel about uh, now, uh, Doctor Sister? You work in criminology. Mm-hmm. You are a doctor of criminology. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you feel about, you, of course, our, our good friend and your husband, my brother-in-law, old David Time Machine, he was in the uh, police for many years. Mm-hmm. How do you guys, how do you feel about this investigation? Did old David Time Machine check this one out with you? No, he did not. We did not oh, have no. time. Oh. Um, but he did say, because he asked us, like, what are you talking about this week? And then he was like, oh, I love Dial M for Murder. Um, but loving cool. a film and appreciating it from like an investigative standpoint are <laughs> two very different things. I think it's more that this movie is somehow like charming, polite attempted uh-huh. murder. Um, it, I think that I will say I appreciated that it wasn't like bumbling investigators, but like they they clearly like knew something was up. Yes. I, I will say that I myself was slightly fooled when Mark, Mark is like presenting his theories to Sabrina's dad. I think this is after, yeah, this is after she's been convicted and he's like trying to, you know, he's just like, he's grasping for anything. Like let's get her out of the death penalty here. What about this? What about this? What about this? And Hubbard just like, dismisses him like Mm -hmm. like really he's like he raises a great point about the key like well what if uh what if he opened the door and then put the key back like that's a great point but hubbard is sort of like ah this is ridiculous get out of here and i was kind of annoyed by that but then i realized it again like by the end of it like oh he knew he's onto this the whole time so yeah uh, good for him but he does a great job i think in this role of uh I guess it's kind of like a proto Columbo sort of thing. He even does the, I'm halfway out the door, turn around. Uh, just one more question for you. Uh, he does the old Falk and it's uh classic Columbo, <laughs> but actually Columbo is classic Hubbard as it turns out, because this was before then. So Carolyn says, looks like Carolyn's Wi-Fi went out. Wi-Fi yes. went out. Okay. We're hoping that she comes back, but if not, maybe she will <laughs> send us her final thoughts. Uh, but the rest of us, there she, there is. she is. Hello, we can hear you. Okay, that's good. Sorry, my Wi-Fi died there for a moment. These things happen. Uh, as noted before, recording started. Our show is a technical disaster each and every week. <laughs> also, I'm like, I'm pretty sure my computer is about to die. It's part of culture. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, Carolyn. Real quick, I mean we're almost wrapping the show, by the way. Anyway, so do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? You have a, a let's talk. Let's talk boom room now for new listeners. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon. The Patreon is currently on pause right now while we focus on our channel here. But if you want to join for the low, low price of whatever it was, $2 for the Thornhill, I think, you can go find our first 50 episodes, the uncut version. It's like twice as much material, you guys. Let's go sign us like two bucks. You get all of it. Go listen to it. Join our Patreon. And then when we get new Patreon content, you will be first in line to receive it. But we call our Patreon the Boom Room. It's a fabulous museum of mid-century modern life uh, filled with artifacts that we have gathered on our many excursions into the past. So let's talk about that now. Uh, Carolyn, do you have anything in particular from Dial M for Murder that you would like to put in? The red dress. The red dress. Market. You are going to go... Yeah, that's going to go in our costume wing, of course. Our yes. ward, uh, wardrobe, war, our wardrobe wing. Wow, that is uh, that's a tough one. Let's say that five times fast. Our wardrobe wing. Our wardrobe wing. Okay, it just has no meaning now. Trishma Nike. Yes. Do you have something you want to put in the boom room? If I had to take something, it would be her little um, stitching box or. Oh, that accessory box that okay. that the stockings were in. Yes. Okay. Just because you like to have a tote, a place to put things. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it was like almost like crocheted or knitted, but it looked quite cute. Okay. Great. Well, you've got it. So Shishman wants the, the sewing box. 
Sherlock, you got anything that you want to put in the boom room? Share with the world? Uh, yes, I do. Um, it is the moustache comb that Victor oh, <laughs> yes. is using in the very last scene while he's picking up the phone to I don't know who and staring wistfully whilst uh, combing his okay. moustache. I'm glad you brought in it up public. That. Yes, I'm one. I was wondering because that is the the final shot of the film is him on the phone like doing hmm. that. I was wondering if that is a shout out to Poirot because that, you know, he's Poirot's mm. to have a luxurious mustache and would occasionally, you know, he's very meticulous uh, about it. So I, I was just wondering if that was like an Agatha Christie shout out or, you know, some reference. I'm, I'm not aware of it. I haven't seen anything about it or maybe it's just a character quirk for chief inspector Hubbard, AKA Sabrina's dad, but okay, great. And I, We'll take then if if those are the items you guys have chosen, I will take uh the latch key. <laughs> One of the latch keys. Oh. I will take Margot's latch key, I think. That's the most disputed one. That's the right. one everybody's after. So let's do that. Final thoughts though. Carolyn's Wi Fi has gone out again. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get her back, but Trishman Ike. Yes. Dial in for murder. 1954. Season two. Hitchcocktober. We are back and better than ever. But do we keep watching this movie? Yes, I really like this one, to be honest. Okay. Do you have any final so, thoughts? Like, what's your biggest takeaway, I guess? Um, although, like, you know, obviously there were the 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 usual tones of men doing dumb shit and trying to control women, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, classic. Uh, classic and you know, classic 1950s. Um, mm. it was a good, it was a good exciting murder mystery and i really enjoy the genre um so i would say i enjoyed this one even though they gave the whole plot away at the beginning still it was exciting <laughs> um, notoriously so. your least favorite part of north by northwest yes <laughs> a movie that you have thumbs down multiple times <laughs> but i you feel like i was i was prepared for it this time so like i knew what i knew You're... like this was what he was gonna do <laughs> right um, right so well, okay. or attempt to do. I think the fun is the fact that it unravels. Exactly. exactly. It lays it out like there there isn't mm -hmm. a flaw in the planning, but then life happens. Right. <laughs> exactly. It just unravels. And how yes. far away from that plan does it end up? Making it a more potent device, I guess, of explaining mm -hmm. what's happening rather than North by Northwest, where they're just like, and here's my summary on the next 70 pages of the script, and this is exactly what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, this is uh, much more thrilling to see, you know, the plan that we have been given go awry. So, mm. okay. Well, thumbs up from Trish Ike. I love it. Great. Uh, Catherine Sherlock. Mm. Dial in for murder. Do we keep watching this thing? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Okay. What's the, I don't know, what's the biggest takeaway for you? Like, what do you, what do you like about this? Why do we keep it? I think because it is intelligent and complex. And actually, I wonder whether this could be made today just because plots are so dumbed down these days. Yeah. I I don't know that um, this would get the green light anywhere because uh, I think studio bosses would just assume that, well, I, mainly the American public would not understand or be able to follow it. Mm -hmm. I think actually, if if there was ever a time to remake this, maybe now is the time. If only because murder mystery as a genre kind of got uh, a kickstart, a restart from Knives Out and Glass Onion. People mm. really seem to enjoy those movies, and they are, you know, uh, not unlike this kind of like complicated and blink blink and you'll mm. miss it type of moments, and you know, so maybe. That's the closest analog. Like, if you like those movies, you will like Dial in for Murder, I think. I think this is a very yeah, likable that's true. film. Yeah. So uh, maybe intelligence is intelligent plots are making a comeback. Oh, God. I hope, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, don't spoof me, me stuff. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say that's why I really enjoyed the after party. Because um, after yes. a really long time, it was a genuine murder mystery like going through like little clues and you're almost solving it with them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And I really enjoyed that. So, yeah. 
And that's the the best part of this genre is is uh, if you enjoy it is the the best versions of these films they're giving you everything you need to uh to to kind of solve solve the murder. Now in this case it's a murder gone bad. It's kind of different but uh it's the the ones I don't care for is when you get something that comes out of nowhere that there was no way for you to have known where it's like, Oh, it was this person the entire time because of reasons we did not indicate at all. Uh, That's Mm. the only time that goes South, but not the issue here. So thumbs up from Sherlock Uh, thumbs up for me as well. I love this movie. I've been watching this forever. I got to see this in a theater. I see this at uh, Redford theater in Metro Detroit. Uh, my my favorite place to go see an old movie projected. It was supposed to be the 3D version too, because this was shot for 3D. Really? And yes, it was. Um, which and Hitchcock didn't want to do it that way. This was like a Warner Brothers decision because it's the 50s and 3D was kind of hot at that moment. Uh, so I get, and there's not really that many um reasons for 3d in this film so apparently what i was reading today was that like a lot of the three dimension comes from things in the apartment that are placed in the foreground so you're getting different planes of action and uh you know so like if the camera moves past a lamp on a table in the foreground that would give you that third dimension if the characters are behind it something along those lines um, but I was supposed to see the 3D version, which was uh, re-released, but they sent the wrong to the theater. So I just got the 2D, but it was still excellent. Uh, so thumbs up for me. I'm going to assume, did Carolyn check in with, uh, I'm going to assume that Carolyn likes this movie, but maybe, maybe we'll get her take <laughs> later. Yeah. <laughs> I feel well, so it's, it's not, it's three against one. So like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's outvoted. Yeah. Uh, by default, it goes in. It goes through. The only other thing that I want to mention before we wrap it up is when they call, when Tony and Margot call their lawyer, when uh, Chief Inspector Sabrina's dad is like, well, you know, and then they, uh, you know, uh, latch key this and like, and then he wipes his shoes off uh, with the, the mud from the, the, wetness outside on the thing and and they they're just like whoa 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 okay now we need our lawyer they call up their lawyer and his name is Roger and it is so funny I'm obsessed with the way Roger answered his phone. Oh hello Roger thank heaven you're in he sounds so surprised to be getting a phone call this guy like I would just imagine him to be like the loneliest man in the world because when he answers the phone he's like hello like he cannot believe he's getting a phone call and like you're a lawyer like there's no uh uh you know yes um so and so esquire you know roger esquire here or you know law offices of esquire uh rogers rogers esquire none of that it's just like he cannot believe he's getting a phone call in 1954 that somebody wants to talk to him and it's yeah he's just uh, twiddling his thumbs in in his living room is it somebody yeah somebody call roger just just give him some shine just just check in with roger ask mark about his book and check in with roger because he sounds he sounds like he's struggling (laughs) he needs more human contact I mean, let's let's wrap it then. Dial in for murder, listener. If you have any thoughts on this, please write to us. We we do love to get your emails. We we read them. We'll respond to them. We will address them. Please write to us. Party line at oldmovietimemachine.com. Dial in for murder. Let us know what you think about it. Is this how you would murder your spouse? Uh, hey, tell us. Uh, um, please consider other options before you come yes. to the. Murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there are always other options. Please. Right. And on a similar note, um, tell us about your local regional pineapple or spaghetti dinner. Because, <laughs> again, there are always other options, I guess. Well, it seems so. Isn't that what the pineapple's about? That's what I'm talking about, right? Right. Okay. 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 Choices. Why don't we keep the Grace Kelly train rolling? Next week, same year. It's a huge year, 1954. We're going to be talking rear window. Ooh. Uh-huh. A wheelchair-bound photographer spies on his neighbors from his Greenwich Village courtyard apartment window and becomes convinced one of them has committed murder despite the skepticism of his fashion model girlfriend. 
That's right. We have the American Jimmy Stewart. His name is Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly in Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window next week, right here on Old Movie Time Machine. And until then, thank you so much, gang. Thank we'll you. We'll see you next week, okay? Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. We did it. Season two. Season two. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.